Hello and welcome to another episode of Journey to the Rise. I'm your host, Lacretia. In today's episode, we welcome back Courtney Shand. I have received so many messages on Instagram asking if Courtney could come back for another episode. She has kindly obliged that request and who do we get into it? Courtney is a knowledgeable nutritionist and has an extensive background in nutrition. She is also real with her approach towards food, and I love her Instagram posts and stories she has shared about chocolate chip cookies. We get into that and so much more with this incredible woman, so let's not wait any longer. Please welcome back my guest, Courtney Shand. I am super excited to bring this guest back. I had mentioned before when we had her on that we'd bring her back. You all have requested this. I have gotten many, <clears throat> I have not told Courtney this, I've gotten many requests for Courtney to come back. And you talked, oh I listened, and I reached out to her, and she's being super generous and coming back. So thank you, Courtney. Courtney Shand. I am, brilliant. I am so glad to be here. I love helping your audience. I just love what you're up to, Lucretia, as always. You've been a long-time connection of mine, and I am always thrilled to support your work. So I'm so happy to be here, and so fun to find out that you guys wanted to hear more. That's awesome. Yes, yes. For three months, your interview was the number one most listened to interview. Number seven was number one, and number six, because for those who haven't been with us from the beginning, Courtney was our first official guest with episode six and seven. But yes, number seven was number one, and number six was number two for three months. And I had, I didn't tell you, I don't think I told you this, but I had women reach out and tell me that you were the missing link in their lives and they're going to start following you. I had several women reach out to me on Instagram and saying after they heard you talk, they realized they deserve better and were either going to have a serious sit down conversation with their partner or were reaching for a divorce attorney. You rock some lives, girl. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> you just never know. Wow. I love no. it's always what you say too. Like you just never know what your words are doing out in the yeah. world. So you oh, don't know how you so inf- much. Thank you for sharing. You don't know where you influence someone and speaking of influence. <sighs> I got yes. a Yes, you did. See mine mine's back here. We'll we'll match. Well, I haven't worn it so in a little better. while, but I did have to pull it out to get creative the other day. I was like, oh, creative juices just flow when you put the crown yep. on. Exactly. So yeah, I had to show that to you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I remember you were like, where did you get that? I was like, girl, it's kind of like Ollivander's um, wand shop. You let the crown pick you and it sounds like you did. So I did. Yeah. I'm glad. Yes, Absolutely. And I love, I'm just going to dive in, like, I've heard on your podcast, yes. you don't talk about this much, but I, I definitely want to talk about your background in nutrition and your conversation. Where did the interest of nutrition even start for you? Ooh, you know, it's so funny because um, looking back, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Looking back, I always liked food. I grew up helping my mom and my grandma in the kitchen. Um, My mom and my grandma were both super into like little health remedies that, you know, oh, apple cider vinegar helps with sore throat or stuff like that, that I just grew up around. And so it never occurred to me that other people didn't think that way. Um, And I went to school to be a nurse. 
Uh, I think I may have said that on the previous one, but I thought I was going to be a neonatal nurse and um, thought that from the time I was like eight till I got to college. I got to college and went to a lab and fainted. And I was like, I need to rethink this. So that was sort of like the life altering thing <laughs> um, of I don't really do well with blood and, you know, all of the things that would need to happen to be a nurse. So uh, luckily I was taking a nutrition class at that time for my nursing degree and was able to just pivot. I honestly didn't know that it was a profession. That's the funny thing, really until I really? got to, until that semester, I really didn't know that people did that. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Courtney shares how her training and preparation was not quite what she needed when it came to working in her first post-college job, and we get to find out what steps she took to adapt. The actual process of helping people was much different than what I had been trained. I had a lot of knowledge and not a lot of like application skills because it had been something that I've just been doing and changing for myself for so long and I wasn't um, able to connect the dots for other people. To stand out on social media and the internet for a business to grow, you need branding images that help express who you are and what you represent. Being a driven business owner, you already know your audience needs to see your brand show up on a regular basis before your potential clients will trust you enough to work with you. If your current messaging is inconsistent and lacks cohesiveness, then your customers will scroll past instead of click and look more into what you have to offer. With a branding photo session with Girl Boss Photography, you can tell your story through images. Utilizing those images in your marketing and content strategy will enhance your appearance and help build a connection to your existing and potential clients. Girl Boss Photography loves working with small and medium-sized businesses to help them build a strong visual brand. By partnering with creative entrepreneurs and listening to their goals, Girl Boss Photography curates a branding session that will tell the story of who you are, what you do, and how you are there to help your clients. If you're wanting to grow your business, improve your online presence, go to Instagram and contact girl.boss.photography today. Welcome back to Journey to the Rise. We continue our conversation with Courtney and we get into how she began to implement relationship coaching along with her nutritional experience to help people. So, wow. Yeah. And then you went off and you were very successful as a nutritionist. Like, what was that experience like for you going yeah, from I got... studying it to applying it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's always funny, too, because um, I landed my dream job at a place doing health coaching. I knew I wanted to do more proactive type work, not hospital setting. I just didn't really love um, the the fixing process wasn't what I was really into. I wanted to be on the preventive healing side. Um, and so I got my dream job working at a place sort of like Google at the time, like we had little, you know, meditation rooms and ping pong in the cafeteria and healthy food everywhere and all the things. Um, I was super excited to be working there and realized that the actual process of helping people was much different than what I had been trained. I had a lot of knowledge and not a lot of like application skills 
because it had been something that I've just been doing and changing for myself for so long and I wasn't um, able to connect the dots for other people. You know, it was sort of like the the influencer versus like, well, that's great that you, you know, meditate, meditate five times a day and, you know, do ice baths three times a day. Like, that's great. That doesn't fit in my lifestyle, but awesome. So it was sort of that dynamic right. and I realized I really needed to understand how to communicate this, not just informationally to people, but really in a way that they could absorb. And that, <clears throat> and that set me on my journey to really being able to transform people. Wow. <clears throat> That's very insightful, <clears throat> though, that you were able to recognize, you know, like, hey, this is a, the disconnect. How do I bring in the connection? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so long story short, I sucked at it. I was not great. I <laughs> had to put in the sweat equity on the backside of being a dietitian. Um, I was already, you know, trained and registered in all the things and didn't realize that I wasn't as effective as I thought that I would be. So it was a very humbling process to get in touch with not only that reality, but also my own emotions and how understanding myself helped me connect with other people more. That was the medicine. Yeah. But isn't that mm -hmm. true for anything we become good at? We suck first. I mean, look at when we started tying our shoes. We sucked at tying our shoes at three years old. And mm -hmm. now we can do yeah. our shoes, someone else's shoes. Like, when I started playing the piano, I sucked. Yep. But after ten years, you know. So, never giving That's up amazing. is a really good metaphor. Um, doing, pursuing yeah. what you want That's to do amazing. and not being yeah. afraid of sucking. Yeah. And so yeah, in your experience, that's really do you the notice... key to most things. Yeah, absolutely. And in your experience, do you notice there's a common struggle that people face with nutrition and eating habits? There's probably like three that I've sort of niched into. There's a lot, you know, like when I was working with more general population, there were several key ones that I would really hone in on. Um, and that's part of why I decided to go on and do more um, trauma modalities and relationship style coaching because that's where I was seeing the disconnect for people. Um, I would say on an individual level, most people are um, kind of... Uh, they don't trust themselves in their decisions. They don't see the big picture when they're focused on something like changing their health or changing their behavior patterns. They see it from a lens of um, you're either doing it or you're not, which is kind of what we've been taught, very binary, like you're on the diet, you're not on your diet. And there's not a whole lot of room for integration, which is that gray space of like, I am taking this piece because this makes sense to me and this piece makes sense to me and I feel good when I'm doing it and building in that capacity. I think that's where the big miss is for most people, um, which does bring into the uh, relational realm, the outside support that you have, the relationship that you have with yourself. Those are probably two of the biggest things that I see now because I've really like niched into that area. But in general, I would say that people have a hard time seeing how all of their experience fits together and really making their journey their own. And how do you work with someone, let's say they're 
wanting to either maintain staying healthy or maybe they need your guidance to get into a healthy eating habit, but the person they share their home with doesn't care and doesn't have good habits and doesn't want to be brought onto Mm -hmm. their train. Like, is there advice Mm -hmm. that you share, like, or you just Mm -hmm. hand them a white flag and (laughs) say, well, the ship's going down. Um, you know, what happens a lot of times in that dynamic is it's going to feel really disheartening for the person who's wanting to make their, uh, changes until they start being their own friend and, um, seeing themselves from the outside. That's when they start setting the appropriate boundaries with that other person and not letting their decisions impact my decisions. You can start to have some like distance between you. And that's really honestly where the majority of the conversations that I have tend to to go in that situation where one person is really wanting to make changes and they tend to be very externally focused people, lots of um, generosity uh, towards other people. They're very conscientious. They're very aware of how they're impacting other people and they want to set other people up to, to succeed. And so it will feel like a disconnect for A, not to have that coming back and B, that they would be, um, you know, kind of moving on without this person. They feel like that's uh, very uh, difficult for them to separate. And so what we have to do is to kind of go in and start getting them to side with themselves and sort of reserve some of that energy that's usually flowing out to start coming back towards them. Once we do that, they can kind of rise above where they are and see the landscape of what they need to do to either bring that person on board in an empowered way or set some different boundaries and just keep going on their, their path to stay healthy for themselves. Wow. It's nice to know there's options, though. Mm-hmm. You can be successful in a household that yeah. may have someone who doesn't care. <laughs> they want yeah. the chips and the, yeah. you know, and the Fritos and the, the cheese dip and not always the best decisions. Mm-hmm. So you were yeah. super successful as a nutritionist. And what was the deciding factor for you to explore relationship coaching and take your new, your nutrition training into a new realm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Um, it was, you know, I, I was working again with more general population and I was talking to what sounded like the same woman over and over. And she very much had the story that you were describing of, you know, I want to do this for me. And yet when I try to make changes to my own eating pattern, you know, I have to consider my family. I don't want to punish them for me making changes, or I don't want to leave them behind or have to make two meals. Those are like the the three most common reasons that women don't stay on their health plan uh, for themselves, the things that help them feel good. And so um, I was really simultaneously learning about relationship skills because I was, that was another area that I was not doing great at. Um, I was really struggling. I had a lot of anxiety and depression and um, was dealing with like just disconnect, a lot of um, challenging emotions for me to work through in my relationship realm. And as I was learning about that and kind of healing from my own codependent tendencies I got introduced to this idea of like relationship coaching previous to that I was in I was doing trauma work I had brought that into my general practice I had been doing EFT tapping um, I'd been doing that for a year or two 
at that point. So really seeing things through the lens of like developmental trauma and how that was influencing our choices in food and self-care and all of those things. And then when I started to bring some of the things I was learning in relationship regulation skills and kind of healing from codependent tendencies, that was when these particular women started to resonate with what I was sharing and they were able to really move forward in a way like clicked for them they're like oh I always talk about it with Brie my other podcast that I host we always talk about you don't know what you don't know until someone introduces a new idea to you like when you're deep in that like codependent frame you can't see outside of like it's either I'm leaving this person behind or I'm you know being selfish those are like the two options but when you think about it from like an elevated perspective you're able to see like I'm actually just doing what helps me feel good. They can do what they want to help them feel good. And maybe I inspire them and maybe I don't, and that's okay. But I'm still going to do this because I deserve to feel good. Um, that's a totally different paradigm, and you can't, you're not swinging from one side to the other. You're actually like up here, elevated. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of a long story of how I got there. Yeah, yeah, it does, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of changes do you see in your clients working on their nutrition and their emotional well-being i'm guessing there's a connection there like have you noticed mm-hmm. it helps the connection in their personal self and their connection to themselves and relationships oh yeah yeah that's the really funny thing is i work in both domains the relationship piece and the nutrition piece and then when i'm working with either well, mostly with my nutrition clients, I definitely have this kind of middle ground of your relationships as you're changing your nutrition, just because again, I don't want them to fall back into those patterns because they don't have those skills developed. Um, But what I tend to find is when we feel good, we do better. And that naturally increases how they show up, how they feel, their level of confidence, their self-esteem, rises as they are taking better care of their physical and emotional well-being those two kind of like go hand in hand Um, especially when we work from a somatic lens from the body up we start to feel better and it almost allows us to experience higher levels of emotion happier feelings better well-being just general good peacefulness um And so I would say that's probably one of the things that I see most often is just this sense of like stability in general, but that leads to a sense of like confidence that they can venture out and do bigger things because they know, hey, this is like home base, home base is safe. Let's see what else is out there instead of just defending from, you know, things, the unknown, they they move from a defensive posture to a more like offensive um, playful posture and that's really fun to see even though even though it's just something that we're making changes to how they are eating so it's a yeah, yeah. It's so a it's transformation you for sure take this nutrition and you give them the knowledge and nutrition and that transforms them into feeling better it develops confidence and then that equates healthier relationships yeah. <laughs> How because I focus on the relationship we have with food. Oh, sorry, yeah. what? No, I was saying, how exciting is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really is like a one-two punch. But because I focus on the relationship with food, you're automatically 
building in new relationship skills. That relationship to self piece is part of all of my work. Because when we can accept ourselves as we are, we naturally see the next step to be better. And we're not taking it out of shame or self-judgment or self-loathing like we probably had been. We're taking it from a really like, oh, this makes total sense. Of course I'm going to do that too. Uh, and then they start to really see the progress moving forward. And that's what translates into how they show up in their relationships differently. It's not necessarily like you're eating broccoli now and now you're a better partner. It's like <laughs> you're shifting how you're relating to yourself and really learning to listen to and understand yourself. And because you can do that, we can translate that skill into all areas of your life. And that's how the transformation, like the exponential transformation starts to happen. Wow. Which I love. I just nerd out about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And recently yeah. you did a post on Instagram about sugar. Is this something we should even try to remove from our diet? It seems like it's in everything. Like, what are benefits to reducing our sugar intake? And, like, how does it affect us? And how can we, if we can't reduce it or remove it, how do we make peace with enjoying it? That's a really great question. So there's a couple layers here. There's like the, my dietitian brain, and then there's the relationship brain, and then there's the relationship to food part. So we'll go in that order. Like officially, there's no, there's no lower limit of sugar that is measurably healthful. Like no one is out there arguing that sugar is good for you. I think we're all on the same team that sugar is not adding to your health in terms of a physiological state. Um, it does increase our blood sugar that can put us at risk for various diseases later on. Um, it's not going to be like a one-time thing. And yet I don't think that it needs to be uh, villainized. I've really changed my perspective as I've brought more of the emotional and relational pieces into it because objectively it's not going to be adding anything to your life and it can often cause some serious conditions later on. So that's one piece of it. The other piece is, since I use the relationship model, because we are talking about a relationship to food, what we want is to learn how to eat sugar. So a lot of people get really hyped about sugar's bad, it's in everything, you're being poisoned, we're, you know, all those really inflammatory type languages, for me, are not super empowering. Often when people are using inflammatory language or really like provoking a lot of fear uh, and excitement, it's usually from a slightly wounded marketing perspective. And so from a really empowered place, what I try to teach my clients is that it's not about sugar being good or bad. It's about understanding A, what happens inside of us and how we want to navigate that based on our values taking into account this over here, the reality of it's not helping us with our health goals. And yet it doesn't need to be something that we completely um, feel victimized by because we're still very much in charge. And that makes it more empowering because it's, it's dealer's choice at that point. When you can understand how you respond to it and how you want to respond to it, then you can make an informed decision for yourself and have the skills to navigate that without feeling um, powerless. I think that's where a lot of people get hung up is that they um, feel like they're totally failing if they have any sugar or they feel like they just can't get in charge of it. And 
either side of that conversation, you're not in the victor position, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not terribly empowered when you're speaking like that. So um, that's what I want is to give people new skills and awareness so that they can navigate that in a way that does feel right for them. Because on the psychological side, I'll um, swing over to that side. On the psychology side, it's um, when things are done from that empowered place, we actually see less physical impacts on those types of foods long term, which is why you hear people who are like, you know, 100 plus and you ask them what their health, you know, regimen is. And they're like, I eat a Twinkie a day and smoke a pack of cigarettes with my friends. Um, like objectively, it does not make sense. But there's a protective factor that happens when our nervous system is in a calm, connected state. Uh, there's a, a state at which our nervous system is like open and available for connection. It usually comes with a high amount of self-acceptance and esteem. Uh, and we find that actually we don't see the same health outcomes when we are operating mostly from that state, a well-regulated nervous system, as we do when we are in a distressed state, whether you are completely avoiding sugar or you're super into it. So that, that really caused me to start thinking of things differently is what's happening for those people that that's not impacting them. And that's what got me really interested in bringing more nervous system work into my work. Wow. And you, you did a post or a story, you were making chocolate chip cookies and you're talking about, I think you were saying like the benefits to, I think chocolate and just basically finding a way to enjoy having a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Yep. My grandpa loves chocolate chip cookies. So I make them often when I go visit him and, um, it's a really sweet, again, connective moment. And what I encourage for my clients is that I don't want them to miss out on life for the sake of health. We can't overshoot well-being for the sake of health. We don't actually get better health outcomes objectively. When we do that, what we want is to find that harmony, that uh, balance between the two so that you are feeling your best as you're creating long-term health. And that is where I think the relationship to food piece is so important because it's not about never having another cookie with your grandpa. It's about how do you feel before, during, and after you do that thing? And is that something that we need to put some new inner skills around or some new external boundaries around so that you can move through life in a way that feels best for you? Oh, that's brilliant. And how do we step mm. into engaging with pleasurable foods instead of beating ourselves up? Mm, one of my favorite things. Um, so one thing that I have found really helpful for clients as they're getting started in this work is understanding what's happening in your body. Again, before, during, and after that experience. The stories that we start telling, the, um, the kind of fight or flight response that comes with those stories, we actually need to learn what we naturally do. Before we make any changes, we have to start observing our own patterns so that we're putting the correct boundaries in place for ourselves. It's going to look different for me than it will for you based on your life experience and all the stories that you have that are tied into what that means 
for you. Um, so I do a lot of work on really practical nervous system regulation skills, honestly, is, is where we go with that. But um, I do a lot of practical strategy-based um, education of what they're noticing and what we're looking for so that when they start seeing it, they know intuitively, oh, this is what we're leaning towards, this is what we're leaning away from, and then they start to naturally self-navigate. And that's when it feels really intuitive for them because it's, it makes sense to them on a really like visceral level. So we're not like going in and manipulating how they're doing things or changing the way that they're behaving or really having to use a lot of willpower to do that. We're actually just letting their natural actions and their natural impulses kind of lead the way in that regard and then we prop them up so that they feel contained and safe doing that wow does that make sense nice. <laughs> i know yeah, maybe a little bit <laughs> intense no it was brilliant and i've noticed you also hop on and you're very good about advocating going into the holidays and prepare yourself for the holidays because I know I'm probably not alone, that I'm like, turkey, stuffing, pumpkin pie, like all the things. And then the yeah. next day I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. Holidays are tricky for most people because A, we're being exposed to stimuli that we normally aren't and trying to use the plan that we normally do and wondering why it doesn't work. It's like this disconnect is happening. We have all these extra circumstances. We're with people that we aren't normally with. We are outside of our normal sleep cycle, our normal, you know, we're probably traveling and staying in someone else's home. We're eating foods that we don't normally have. We don't have the space to put our normal routines in play. Um, it requires a lot of self-awareness and some good boundaries to do that. And when we don't think of it through that lens, we are gonna set ourselves up to the next day be like, what just happened? And we kind of go through it because that's what we know. Like we switch into like Thanksgiving mode and we just eat and eat and eat or whatever we're doing. And then the next day we're like, what did I do when we try to revert back to our normal plan? So it makes total sense to me. And I try to bring a lot of compassion to the holidays because there's lots of variables at play. And when we can be aware of the variables, we make better plans. But we're not going to be able to follow plan A that we normally follow during, you know, July. Right. When we're at home and the kids are out of school, that's going to be a very different plan than when we're traveling to grandma's house and the cousins are in and, you know, there's just lots of things that we aren't, uh, that we need to be aware of, that <laughs> we haven't right. made plans for. And it seems like from yeah. October 15th, we start getting into the Halloween candy and then we start snacking because we're getting into Thanksgiving, we're preparing for dinner and then there's sugar cookies and Christmas cookies everywhere and then it's january 1st and you want to set your new year's re resolution and you're you're coming off this mm -hmm. massive sugar high and three months of <laughs> eating out of our normal realm <laughs> habits yes yep i call this the mardi gras mindset really because it is like let's binge and then be super strict and most of us, when we don't have the awareness emotionally of what we're doing and what is happening, we will have these little like rebellions. Our little inner teenager comes out in like, you know, late January, early February, and we're like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and we haven't 
taken that into account to prop that part of ourselves up. And so, of course, it's going to feel like we are having to use a ton of willpower when the reality is we don't have to use that much willpower when we make plans that account for those things. And you mentioned in a podcast episode, I don't remember which one, I've been listening to several of you, she has an amazing podcast for the love of men with her friend Brie. Highly recommend it. I'll include the link in the show notes. But you talked about there's a reason we feel, and I'm paraphrasing, but there's a reason we feel crappy about ourselves because there's so much marketing to like help us lose weight, but often those, those efforts to help like the diet pills and the stupid routines and the things, they're not effective. They're not long-term effective. And so I, I found that really interesting when you made that observation, that comment, because I've never put that connected. It's like never connected the dots there. Mm. There's a reason we feel crappy about ourselves. Can you kind of like expand on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So one of my mentors, um, Leah Lake, she's genius at the empowered marketing. She was the one that really got me thinking in that direction too, of like who wins by me feeling bad about myself. And now when I, yeah, really great book to read would be Influence by Robert um, Caldoni, I think, or I don't know how he says his name. Anyways, it's really genius. It gives you some awareness of like the marketing strategies that you may be noticing and uh, it creates this internal reaction that we're not even consciously aware of. We've kind of been programmed to respond that way. They really play on the psychology that we don't have the education around. So educating yourself is super important because when when you are coming from a place of I need to be fixed or I'm somehow broken or deficient or lacking something, anything that you reach for from that energetic space is often going to keep you in that space because the dynamic, the power dynamic is set up so that you need to be rescued, to be saved. Um, And what we want is to really prop you up so that you feel like you are a learning the skills to continue saving yourself from that habit. Um, but also really educating yourself as to, uh, what healthy looks like for me and making empowered decisions. And a lot of times that will, it's, I don't want to say that diets are bad because they're not. I know a lot of my platform is about kind of anti-diet, but I'm not anti-diet. I actually think that diets can be very helpful to learn. It's like training wheels. Training wheels aren't bad. They're helpful for us to learn. But if we always need the training wheels, we're not learning. We're not continuing to learn. We stop ourselves from continuing to mature. And that's where I have a problem with marketing strategies that continue to Um, perpetuate that and we know I mean most people are aware that the diet industry is a almost trillion dollar industry at this point Um, I forget what the exact numbers are but there's lots of money going into these services and um, at the end of the day your relationship to them kind of where you're starting from will determine how you feel in them and that will determine yeah, that'll determine the outcome that you experience. So, oh, so good, and such yeah. great awareness for people to have. 
Because, like, I never thought twice about it until you said that. Mm-hmm. Like, <gasps> light bulb. Yeah. Thank you, Courtney. Oh, you cut out a little bit. I missed oh. that. Are you there? I said, um, I never thought about it until you made that comment about the marketing. And then also, I'm like, I started connecting the dots and I was like, light bulb moment. Thank you, Courtney. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's also really interesting because a lot of the early research in weight loss was not done on women. We're just now starting to get research around female bodies. Like 1991, NIH required women being equally represented in the studies. That was in my lifetime. Like, it's so we have been um, under-informed in a lot of ways as women, particularly around things like how our body works, how weight loss works for the female body versus the male body. Um, on a hormonal level, we're different. We just are, and uh, things are going to react differently based on our hormone makeup, um, along with lots of other variables. But that's something that I have found really interesting is that the female physiology is just unique, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And when we can really understand how it works, then we can start to say no to some of those things that would kind of want us to believe that somehow it's, it's a problem when really it's just a hormonal difference that we need to take into account. Right, right. And women mm-hmm. who feel out of control with food, maybe they're restricted with their food intake, end up binging. You've talked about the binging habit, the result of, it's the result of when a woman doesn't understand what she's reacting to, feels judged when in a state of you know, this hyper-focus, and it results mm-hmm. in overindulging and all make up for it tomorrow but then I think a lot of us including myself that turns into a cycle yeah yep you know this is funny because that's really where I got started in seeing this pattern when I was introduced to trauma the idea of trauma first of all um, probably seven or eight years ago like somatic based work was something that I was really curious about because I was actually looking into the addictive model. The addiction model for food was really resonating for a lot of people and I was exploring that. Um, And it does become a a cycle that we don't know how to get out of because we find ourselves sort of trapped in this eddy when what we need to do is to veer over here, but we don't think that way when we are kind of, um, it's sort of that, the hamster wheel effect. We're doing the thing again, and this is what happens after we do the thing. And until we can put some new insight in there and some new awareness of ourself without judgment, I think that's what keeps people in that loop is that we judge ourselves A, for being in the loop. That's at least my experience. (laughs) You catch yourself in that loop again and you're like, oh, I'm doing it again. But that's it. We don't start to think like, why? What am I getting out of this? How, why am I here again? What did I learn from the last time that I did this cycle? And then we start to move into a different uh, route naturally. So just wanted to add that. I don't know where, where we were going with that, but um, <laughs> thought that would be helpful. It's always helpful. Uh, yeah. It's just amazing, like, with your intellect and your knowledge and how you can just pick things up and you just share it. Like, I just want to... I'm just always impressed with the information you share, whether it's in your stories or on your podcast. 
it just really shows Thank like you. how much you truly care about the people that you work with as your clients and potential clients to help them live their best lives. And I just mm -hmm. appreciate the, the energy you put into that. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> that feels so sweet to hear. <laughs> it's very true. And what, one thing I'm really impressed with how willing you are to be vulnerable and honest and open. You talked about um, your own body issues, and I was grateful because you are stunning, you are fit, you have the kind of body I would love to have. And to hear someone that I deem as ideal, that you're human and there's things that you've had to work through. And I had this moment of like, oh my God, I'm, I'm really not alone. And you talked in one of your podcast episodes about how you're self-conscious about some things about yourself and you found yourself in this situation where, like, men didn't even notice the things that you were hyper aware of. Yeah. Yes. That was one of the most freeing things that I released when I started studying men and started studying relationships was how differently they see me than I think they do. I grew up thinking that they were um, aware of, you know, these, the way my body looks or the parts of me that are soft that I would prefer not to be or the cellulite or the, you know, the flaws. It was perpetuated that that was going to make me unattractive to men. Consciously or not, that's what I absorbed. And it wasn't until I actually started studying relationships that I was able to let that go because I started to see the opposite being true. When I was introduced to some somatic tools, some body-based tools to really practice letting that tension go when I feel self-conscious, it's like we want to like protect and um, we zoom in and kind of like retract almost like a, a turtle. And the reality is, is you actually have to like come out of your shell in order to heal that. And it's the opposite of what you'll think in the moment. But to let someone admire parts of you that you would otherwise not. And this doesn't have to be sexual, although it definitely comes up as you move more physically into a relationship with someone because you're just going to be, you know, together more. Um, but even just something simple of letting your eyes when you're looking in the mirror notice where they go and what you judge about yourself and if you were to really put yourself in the shoes of your potential partner the one that you would want to spend your life with not just any old you know guy that we've been pitched in marketing but if you were to really step into the shoes of your ideal partner would he a notice that about you and b would you want to be with someone that's turned off by that? So rewrite that in your mind too. <laughs> right. um, but usually what I find when I do that with clients is that they realize like, wow, they, they actually are super drawn to me and they don't even notice that about me. And we can start to let that go and start to let our own judgments go. The more we do that, the more we're willing to let that part of ourselves be seen. And usually our physical kind of um, constrictions, the parts that we most want to hide, are also emotional. There's also an emotional story that gets to be released when we let that soften in the presence of someone that truly cares for us. Not just anybody, but when, when there's actual love present, 
even from ourself and our imagination, we can let go of a lot of that constriction that we would otherwise want to like shrink and hide and we start to take up more space naturally and, and be more ourself and let people see us and attract a whole new type of person. Absolutely. And you also mentioned in a podcast, along with this um, narrative, that if you are with someone who's making comments about those things that you're already self-conscious of, you might want to reevaluate that relationship. Mm -hmm. That's empowering. Yep. Yeah. Yep. A lot of times it flies under the radar for people. Again, that's one of those that you don't know when you're living in this frame. You don't see that there's all these other options out there. But when you realize that it's confirming your self-talk, and what we want is to have someone that can disconfirm your self-talk. We want for someone that is going to see the best in us when we need it, when we're feeling the most vulnerable. Not that that's their job, but we all, that's the the dream of being in a romantic relationship for most women is like, I'm going to have this guy who thinks I'm just stunning and beautiful. And when we get that guy, we are like, no, don't look at me. I'm, I'm not looking very pretty today. I, you know, we try to hide ourselves and he's like, what are you doing? And then <laughs> probably moves on, which confirms for us that that was the right behavior when in reality, it's the opposite of what we want to be building so to let that love in and really let that digest in your body cleans out a lot of that old unconscious wiring that a lot of us have and i never thought about you brought this up on your podcast um how men have body issues and i guess i i can't be alone in thinking men did didn't struggle with this like, what have you seen in your practice about the insecurities or struggles that they face? Yeah. Well, I think it's really interesting because, again, when I was working with the general population, men approach their body differently. They just seem to have a very different relationship to their body. And that's what we as women think is like, oh, they're just able to, like, you know, stop eating bread and they lose 20 pounds or they, you know, start going to the gym and get ripped immediately. And part of that has to do with how their hormones are wired and part of it has to do with their energetics, what they, how they are able to set boundaries and prioritize things differently. Um, but for the men who have been vulnerable enough to share that they want to make changes to their body, they do say that they want to feel more attractive to their partner. They want to um, obviously have long-term health but most of the time it's it's a little bit of they're not lining up with who they want to be and that's what causes them to make some changes so the most empowering thing is like hey this isn't the direction i want my life to go and i'm going to reroute so that it is lining more up with that um, but the men who i've worked with more in my private practice around um, how they see their body, they still have areas where they feel like they need to put in more work. Um, and that's how they'll describe it is like, I just need to work on this thing, which is a very masculine terminology. <laughs> uh, and, and when we can get into the emotion behind it, that is where they do see a lot of gains as well. So I see that in men and women working very well. Wow. And do you notice like there's maybe a common struggle for men and a common struggle for women when it comes to this area? 
or is it real personalized and vastly different? Yeah, it is very personal. Um, yeah, it is, it is pretty personal for people. Um, because I use a I use a generational model too, so a lot of it is like stuff that we need to let go of that was passed down to us that's expressing um, physically, and so in that way there there is a lot of um, conversations that either needed to have happened that didn't or didn't need to happen that did uh, that causes a sort of an imprint that we cycle in. And that's really, I think, why the work is so deeply transformative, because you can be free from all of that, too. Um, for men, I think that there is, I just have a smaller, a smaller count with men, but I do know that they, they do have issues where when they are with their partner and they feel embarrassed about their body, they don't always have the skill set to be with their humanness in that way. Um, women, I think, have a hard time letting love in, and men have a hard time letting themselves be human. So kind of in both ways, they, yeah, I probably need to think about that a yeah. little bit more, but that's <laughs> kind of what's coming to me first. But I think that's the benefit of working with you because, like you just said, you personalize it. I know you talk on your podcast how you're giving away information for free, but you personalize what you do with your clients so much that that free, if you will, tidbits that you drop off for people, I think is helping people raise their awareness and really recognize the value that comes from working with someone like yourself with your compassion, your understanding, your knowledge, your background and mm -hmm. personal experience. Like that's immeasurable for someone who's like, oh my gosh, I can see how she can benefit me. Yeah, let's. Let's work mm. with Courtney. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I really I, work with women more on body image stuff. I'm, I work with men on, in the general population with nutrition. So it's just been kind of casual conversations. The deep, intimate stuff is more in the relational space that I work with men, which their body does come up when we talk about that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I appreciate that you bring up the generational things. And I'm going to just kind of toss my own little story and background in here to give as an example. Like my junior, senior year of high school and my freshman year of college, I was 20 pounds underweight. And I had a teacher at school voicing to me, if you lose more weight, which she knew I wanted to do, I wanted to get 10 pounds lighter, you're going to be in the hospital with IVs. Yet the voice at home was telling me, you need to be thinner, you need to lose weight, you need to be skinny, boys won't like you if you don't have a flat stomach. Like, to me, that's a sense of, maybe I'm going a little far, but almost like brainwashing. And it's like that narration we get, like you're saying, generationally is huge and impactful. How do you start to work with clients to help them overcome that negative generational toxic, if you will, conversation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's painful. Um... I just want to acknowledge that, that any time we have our experience kind of overlaid with someone else's, it's deeply painful and leaves a, a permanent scar. And 
a lot of times what I do, um, because I've been trained in uh, energy healing, a modality that uses um, aspects of what's called the family constellation theory and the parts work, uh, I kind of combine those in, in my training and some EFT work. I kind of blend all of them together. It's my own little unique practice now. But um, often what needs to happen is that we have to start seeing ourself from the outside. Someone who's in that position, we have to start seeing that play out on a movie screen, if you will, and notice your reaction to it. If you feel numb, if you feel an opening of compassion, if you feel enraged on their behalf, like that tells us a lot about the power dynamic that was at play and where things went wrong. There's often things that needed to have been expressed, like you don't get to talk to me that way, that couldn't have been just based on the reality of the situation and us needing to survive that situation. Um, the resources that we didn't have access to. Or there's probably things that you also needed to have heard that weren't heard. And so it's, for my clients, um, being able to step outside of themselves and the story and really have the emotional reaction that you have towards it is the first step to thawing that out. It takes years of um, nervous system capacity building to be able to really like process that but the modality that I use because it kind of skips the mental part we're not telling stories we're really just letting the body speak and then letting that be expressed um, in addition to letting the things that that needed to have been heard land in the body that's where I find that this can be really powerful for people to heal on a generational level because we interrupt what uh, happened and kind of rewrite that dynamic. We let the body start to release that and therefore the nervous system starts to open up and starts to allow you to create forward what you couldn't have imagined from that contained scarring. We, we have to go in and kind of clean that up so that you can start to expand forward into a different version of yourself and that's where the healing I think is super impactful because when we do work I still hear from clients six months a year out and they're like oh my gosh you'll never believe I just did this thing and it's shocking from where they were a year ago they're you know doing things either with their body with food with people around them standing up to people getting new jobs going back on a different diet and not feeling triggered by it, weighing themselves, like things that, that were otherwise super crippling for them, they're now like, oh, that, that old thing? Um, and that, I think, is where it is so powerful because the, the exponential impact is that your future is a different trajectory. It's not just yeah. that you have this light switch turn on. It's like now that you can see in the room, where do you want to go? Like we can explore all different aspects now. Oh my gosh, that has to feel so rewarding and so good when you get that kind of call, that feedback. I'm feeling it, and I'm not even you, and you're, you're having the conversation with the client. Like, how does that feel yeah. for you? Oh, I mean, my heart just explodes because obviously, doing this level of work, you become. Um, I mean, it's just always an honor to do intimate level of healing with people because to be invited into someone's space like that, 
is a huge honor. They trust you. Yeah. They feel safe around you. Um, you know, you're guiding them in a lot of ways. And so to have feedback like that is, it, I feel so um, proud of them for the work that they're doing and also just so honored and, um, yeah, getting to witness that is a, it's a deep honor for me. So to get that feedback feels like, my heart is just like glowing whenever they send me messages, you know, six months, a year out and things are, are working for them. And it feels so intuitive to them. Like the way that they've guided themselves forward now is leading them into these things naturally. And it's just like, oh, wow. Yeah. I'm in awe. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like seeing a butterfly being, you know, released <laughs> into yeah. the wild. Be free and be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, a hundred percent. It totally is. I love it. Yeah, and when you they have just blossom, clients, and then yeah, and it's all because of their willingness to go through that hard path, probably saving decades of therapy by working with someone who is mm -hmm. not afraid to have the tough conversations, not afraid to give them the safe space, and kind of encourage them to be vulnerable with what is holding them back, and you're opening this door. Mm -hmm. For them to really just run free and feel free in the world they're living yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, it really is amazing. I love what I get to do. <laughs> and when we get into relationships and sometimes fall into old habits, for example, maybe it's an eating habit or we stop doing yoga, what, what kind of suggestions mm -hmm. or advice can you give? Like, how can we maintain the changes that we did to benefit our health that now that we're in this relationship, we are noticing are like kind of falling off the ladder a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The first thing that I do, because I really try to bring a lot of acceptance to the conversation because that's usually where, and me too, I'm still practicing giving myself the acceptance that I can get from other people. But to, to go back to that plan change, like, your plan looks different. When you're single and you have 100% time autonomy, your plan is going to look different than when you're partnered and now you're, you know, considering someone else's experience and schedule and needs and to be in an interdependent healthy dynamic, those things have to happen. Otherwise, you would just be kind of like, you know, parallel roommates sort of thing um, without a whole lot of overlap. But that being said, I, I really like to bring a lot of acceptance into it of what um, what they need now. Because we often look back at old plans that worked for us and measure ourselves currently against that plan instead of saying, what was it about that plan that you really felt good about? And can we take into consideration all the things that you need now how we can kind of prop you up. So I'm always about like building a new structure underneath someone so that they don't like drop down. Mm -hmm. um, that's the model that I use. When we have new awareness, we build up to that new awareness. We don't try to um, just live in this old way and have this awareness. We really, you know, you elevate your awareness and then we build a new support underneath you so that you're able to stay there. And that's what helps you like embody the the wisdom that comes from living in that way and it becomes integ integrated into your day-to-day -day, and that's when you really prioritize those things naturally. So I guess the, the short answer is to accept 
that things look different now than they did. But if it feels like you're losing yourself, that's always a good time to check in with your relationship to you. That's usually where the boundaries are needing to be set. We, I don't, I talk with a lot of people. There's two boundaries. There's inner boundaries, boundaries with us coming out and boundaries of what protects us, stuff coming in. And a lot of times the boundaries that I need to work on with people when they're in that position is the boundaries going out. A lot of times we have to readjust those so that more of you is able to come forward as you grow and evolve and learn new things about yourself. We need to adjust what you are able to express so that you continue getting what you need now that you're a totally different person with all these new things happening for you than you were before that. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And bringing up boundaries, you have excellent boundaries. Like, how did you get so good with your boundaries? I, I can guarantee you probably took practice because <laughs> nothing, we don't get good at anything without the practice. But what advice yeah. can you, like, how did you get started with your boundaries? And what advice can you give for someone who may be new at establishing boundaries? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all, because uh, I am also in practice all the time. So um, I can assure you that I am, I, as much as I, f I have made progress, I am not arrived. There's not like a, you know, boundary queen level that I am all of a sudden at. I'm always being challenged and reevaluating my own boundaries. So I just want to put that and normalize that. But um, what I would say is kind of like I was mentioning earlier of being able to see yourself from, you know, a movie screen. If I were watching myself currently and intuiting what I'm picking up on about myself, she seems anxious. She seems a little like disconnected. She seems a little uh, angry. Then you can start to put the right boundaries in place and that's what lets them be easier is because when you see how they feel when they're in place, it becomes the natural goal. You want to put them in place because it lets you be safe and free. And that's the goal of boundaries is it's not about um, doing them perfectly. It's more about what you need in order to feel um, like you can keep your vulnerabilities out there. Um, and that may mean like shielding them from people. It may mean like, you know, tuning into, do I feel safe around this person? Does this seem like a safe situation for me to put myself in? Do I have a pattern that continually puts me at risk that I need to look into? In which case I probably need some extra support around that. Um, but if I were just getting started with this, I would say that understanding, I think that understanding mentally can be really challenging and boundaries never made sense to me um, really until like the last five years it was something that I was like boundaries it's the it's the answer to everything it's like the equivalent <laughs> of broccoli in nutrition like the answer is always broccoli um, <laughs> on, on test that was always my joke yeah yeah so it's like boundaries is like the answer to all the like emotional relational challenges um, but I wasn't good at it, and so I had to just start practicing. And I started being very, you know, like guarded and, um, you know, in my own little tower here, and um, had to really swing from one side to the other, being totally boundaryless and anxious and terrified, and also being super guarded and lonely and not letting enough people in, and really finding that middle to me is about 
figuring out what I needed and being able to look at myself and interpret what she needs to feel supported right now. And that's going to be the answer to the boundary right now of what she needs. Um, that would be my advice to get started. I have a whole program about it because this was something that I've struggled with for so long yeah. that I built a whole program talking about the actual like mental piece, what you need to understand to make boundaries easier, as well as like what this is going to feel like, what lets you know that they're working or not. And then also the boundaries both internally, like I was saying, the things that come out versus the things that come in. And knowing that there's two types, I think, can also be really empowering to see where the the breakdown is happening so that you're not putting your walls up when really you just need to be letting more of you out Ooh, that would be an yeah. example of the wrong type of boundary if that makes sense it does yeah let's dive into your courses so you're talking about this boundary course and that became from your own what kind of changes are you noticing i'm just going to dive into that one what's the name of it and what changes have you noticed with your clients who have started working with you on those boundaries yeah, um, so that one was expand, uh, and it really is about understanding what you need to keep expanding in your life so that you can keep growing and expanding and um, not stopping yourself. And a lot of times the benefit of that program that I see most often is that women naturally... Um, so I've got Arise, which is really about empowering your feminine energy and letting yourself be seen. So that's kind of this idea of like supporting yourself from the inside gives you confidence to express yourself. And then the expand piece is expressing yourself at a bigger level. You not only have to have that skill of supporting yourself and having your own back, but now you have to understand what you need to protect yourself while also letting your heart stay open and letting it get bigger and bigger and letting good things in. Um, so not just like surviving, but coming out of that. Um, and I love that program because when women do it, they end up finding, A, that boundaries are a little bit easier to understand, but also that they start playing a bigger game than they ever realized that they were allowed to. So wow. a lot of times that is that transition between working corporately in a you know entry-level job and kind of thinking that this is the as good as it's going to get to that next level of... I have something that I'm contributing and this is what I would need in order to stay at this negotiation table. Right. That is a whole new level of empowerment, whether you're moving into entrepreneurship or just a new level in your company. Um, but to put yourself into roles that cause you to lean into your vulnerabilities and really show those to the world, you're going to need those boundaries so that you can expose that part of yourself or else it won't feel safe and you'll keep hiding it. Yeah. So I love that program. Oh, it sounds fantastic. And you also have a, cur a course mm -hmm. called Nourished. What is that one about? Yes. And what are the benefits for those who sign up for it? And what changes are you noticing for those who are working with you? I kind of threw three at you at once. Yeah. And go. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nourished is one of my favorites. It was my OG course. It's like near and dear to my heart. I, um, it is about getting in your body as a woman understanding what it means to step into your body so that you're living from the inside out instead of watching yourself kind of just float through life and feel a little bit disconnected from your goals and dreams and a lot of times the people who come into that will say things like I just don't feel like my body reflects who I know myself to be 
um, that feeling of being incongruent from the inside and the outside is something that we need to resolve. And so I do a lot of nervous system work. Again, there's four phases to it. Um, the awareness, we have to increase the awareness and then we build the structure underneath you so that you stay at that level. And then that's when you start to naturally release the emotional pieces that were um, benefiting you before. That survival energy was benefiting you somehow and that's where having that compassionate, more trauma-informed lens is super powerful because we can start to put the right boundaries in place so that you can keep your heart open now. You can keep the systems in place that are supporting you staying in this elevated experience and then you challenge yourself. You move forward and start doing harder things because you believe in yourself. You've seen yourself do it. That completes this kind of spiral staircase effect. And so I love working with women in that um, program. Right now I've got a group program going through parts three and four, the embodiment and the challenge phases. And it's more of the emotional release that we need to do in order to shift how we show up in relationship to food. And that's why moving into the holidays, it was perfectly timed to do that, to lead with the challenge phase into the holidays because that's naturally a challenging experience for most of us. So um, the things that I've seen in transformation that these women go through when they do go through Nourished is a sense of inner stability around, well, in any situation, but they start to approach food from a really empowered space. And this may sound a little woo-woo, but um, they just have a different way of seeing things so that they're in charge. For example, I had one client who um, used to get really triggered by, um, this pattern of going on diets and then, you know, any social event, it would be, um, this kind of rubber band effect of either needing to really hold fast to the diet and do it perfectly or completely fall off and, and that inner teenager comes out and is like, but I want the chocolate chip cookie. Um, and I deserve it because I'm with my friends. I'll make up for it tomorrow. And then you have to really like gear back up to going on that diet. Um, and so we can kind of neutralize that. And that is probably the most transformative thing is getting women to feel stable in situations that are highly pleasurable for them. So that social experience so that they don't have to gear back up to the diet um, lets them use diets at their beck and call. The diet works for them instead of them working for the diet to maintain the diet and so it's just a total role reversal of who's in charge and what that naturally does is lets the nervous system relax and feel calm and that's what keeps a sustainable eating pattern in play and so that's I think big picture what I see with women is the sustainability piece of the work wow that's incredible mm -hmm. And how, how brilliant of you to recognize these are the steps that can benefit someone and your willingness to put the time into this course so that people can grow and gain the knowledge from you, the empowerment from their own experiences and confidence. Like, you really wrap up your coursework into this whole package, even separately, to help people just be healthier and happier and have fulfilling what we all want, the fulfilling romantic relationship and a healthy conversation with food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I really um, feel like it's 
such a unique experience and so many women um, benefit from it when they have the courage to lean in and do that level of uh, self-reflection. It doesn't have to be as like big and scary as we think. And that's the beauty of having support, either in a group format or doing it one-on-one -on -one with me. To have someone walk with you through that makes something that feels super scary and shameful potentially be um, a really healing and empowering process. And that's probably what I get feedback most about is that they were really afraid of what was going to happen when they were coming into containers like this of like, I don't know what to expect. And when they leave, they're like, wow, that was easier than I thought and more powerful than I realized it would be for being um, simple. There were simple shifts and they're yet very profound in terms of how they repeatedly show up to uh, situations. So. Wow. That's amazing. And how many courses do you mm. currently offer? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I have several that are on self-study or are one-to-one, -one, and then I am working on a little um, taster, like a sampler, for <laughs> uh, some of these courses that are a little bit bigger. Um, but I have Arise and the masculine counterpart rooted for that relationship piece of learning to, to shift the relationship you have with the opposite sex, basically. Um, if that dynamic has not been playing out the way that you want, those two are the courses. Um, expand would be the next level of that because we need to put some boundaries in place so that you can feel safe being authentic. Uh, and then Nourished is kind of like a comprehensive program to get you into your body, to heal the nervous system, and then to heal kind of that generational impact that you notice when it comes to the dissatisfaction that you may have with your body that's usually how it shows up but it's usually because we're dissatisfied in other areas as well so the impact is exponential there um, and then i have several master classes just little bite-sized pieces of the dynamics in the kitchen i've got one for dealing with picky eaters i've got some for um, helping uh, meal planning be smoother and really automate that build a system for yourself so i've got several different options as far as kind of what people are looking for but as for mentorship i would say the three are the main ones the arise expand and nourished are going to be those three of my favorite that's awesome and do you have <clears throat> excuse me do you have the option for people to work one-on-one -on -one with you do you have that service available and how would I they do. approach you to yeah. do something like that. Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, I do always keep several spaces open for one-on-one -on -one work, um, whether I'm doing group work or not. I always have a few spaces for kind of higher level touch. And so there is uh, an application on my website you can submit. Just tell me a little bit about where you're at in your process, what you're wanting to get out of it, and then I can match you with the best stage of whichever program would probably be the best support for you to move forward and then we can take that on together um, so very simple process CourtneyShan.com, and i think it's ways to work with me or get started working with me i forget but it's under <laughs> courses so um 
you'll find it there. And you can always email me or DM me as well, and we can just have that conversation and see what you're needing. And then I can plug you into what would be the best fit so that you're not overwhelmed and or wasting wasting your time on things that you've already learned. So Right, right. And where can people mm-hmm. find you? You mentioned CourtneyShan.com. But you have your podcast, you have Instagram, you have TikTok, you have YouTube, all the things. So you're everywhere, girl. So let's hear it. Yeah, I try. I try. Um, all my social handles are Courtney underscore Shand uh, across the board. You'll find me. And then CourtneyShand.com is my website. So pretty streamlined, just first name, last name. And um, you can message me on any of those platforms. And I would love to connect. So feel free to follow me, even if you're just a going to follow and and collect the goodies that I put out in the world or if you want to engage I'm happy to have conversations whether that means we work together or not um, you can just message me and say hi I always love hearing from people if you want more juicy oh and my tidbits, podcast yes, for the love more, of men podcast yes cannot forget about that <laughs> and you guys give I can't some forget really, about that that's one of my favorite things you guys really dive into some great topics you're not afraid to talk about anything which is so welcoming and beautiful because there's some stuff y'all talk about i'm not even gonna bring it up on here because we're not that type of podcast but i'm just saying they are not yeah. afraid to deep dive into any topic and you you handle it, both of you you and brie handle it very gracefully and you bring knowledge you. and joy and you make it fun and yeah it's a very well-rounded thank podcast thank you we love it we love it. We've got a good synergy. We like working together. So that is amazing feedback. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, so, feel free to check it out. I think we're on episode 70 at this point. We're recording. So nice. um, yeah, we've got <laughs> 70 episodes worth of mini coaching sessions, I think. Yeah, great information. Definitely go check it out. I will get all mm-hmm. of that into the show notes. And of course, once Thank we you. make this episode go live, we'll be shouting you out from from the rooftops because everyone needs to know about you you bring so much value thank you mm-hmm. thank you, you are for so sweet back. thank you i love what you do as thank well you. i love that you are highlighting the journey because that's so under talked about and yet that's where the magic happens it's not an overnight thing for any growth health wealth relationships it's the nitty-gritty every day wash, rinse, repeat kind of thing that the transformation happens. And I love that you are highlighting that and just really putting that center stage where it belongs. Thank you. I I just want people to know like what they want to have in their life is possible. It may take work and, but that's the work and the effort that we put in that we don't see, but the dream life, it can be your reality. Mm-hmm. In whatever yep. form, maybe it's just Absolutely. being really good at yoga, or maybe the dream is having a really healthy relationship with your food or your romantic partner. Like, don't ever discount mm-hmm. anyone's dream. Your dream is your dream, but it's possible. Mm. Beautiful. You're beautiful. Yeah, and I think the more people see the people in their process, the more normal it feels to struggle. And what I always remind my clients is like the challenge phase is you proving to yourself what you've learned. That's part of growth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
whether it's making peace with chocolate chip cookies or <laughs> exactly. exactly find the joy I, yep yep exactly falls we all have place. something to to weigh in on so i love that yes excellent well thank you so much i so sincerely appreciate you coming back thank you for having me i loved chatting with you i hope this has been helpful and let me know if there's anything else that you guys need or how i can support your community i would love to be available for that thank you same to you that's it with courtney i think it is interesting how when we bring in healthy habits into our nutrition and our routine it will help us be healthier for our not just ourselves but also our partner or prospective partner. If you're interested in improving those areas of your life, this is an incredibly kind and supportive woman who will help you develop those skills. You can find her website and social media information in the show notes. Next week, we talk with a matchmaker, Nadine Jimenez. I help them in any way I can. So with my coaching, um, I help them get rid of those blocks that are in their minds. Normally, it is all about our thoughts. We are thinking automatic uh, thoughts every day, all the time. And if we are not our own friends and those thoughts, uh, we just let them go, um, you know, and be hard on ourselves and just, you know, be negative, they take over. So I help, I help, I help them see what they're thinking and kind of just put a mirror to, to those thoughts and just bring them to, okay, so uh, are you loving yourself? Hey, thank you so much for listening to Journey to the Rise. I do hope you'll give us a follow on your podcast app so you have the latest episode downloaded. If you want to follow us and join us over on Instagram, you can find our account at, at Journey to the Rise podcast. This episode was researched, produced, and edited by Girl Boss Productions. Music was written and produced by Girl Boss Productions. And please remember to be kind to yourself. When you are kind to you, it is easier to be kind to others. Because as my friend Nina Covington says, you cannot hate yourself into a version you love. I'm Lucretia, and you've been listening to Journey to the Rise. Mm -hmm.